0: Hello listeners, my name is Alan Marks and welcome to a new season of Boyden's Leadership Matters podcast series. I'm joined today as always by my colleague Alan Parry. Hello Alan.
1: Hello Alan.
0: How are you today?
1: I'm very well.
2: Good, good,
0: good. Our guest today is a special guest from the United States of America, Tom Gorman. Hello Tom.
2: Hello, great to be here. Thank you for having me. Thank you for
0: coming. Tom's got a most illustrious background. Um, Most recently he was the global CEO of Brambles, based in Australia, but operating everywhere. Uh, Tom graduated in the USA from Tufts University in economics and international relations. He obtained his MBA from Harvard and he's enjoyed a 30-year career with just two companies, Ford, where he worked in the USA and around the world and then became president of Australia and more recently of Brambles. After ceasing his executive career in 2017 Tom has gone back to university and has now joined two ASX boards, both with an Australian listing but an in international uh, international operations, both uh, Wally Parsons, more recently Aurora, uh, and this is an addition to a range of private interests that he uh, is involved in. So Tom, as I mentioned, is visiting. We're very happy to have him here today. Tom, uh, welcome.
2: Thank you very much. Uh,
0: perhaps to start off, what was your what was your first ever job, and, and what did you take away from it?
2: Um, so, in, in America, um, you can get a, a your working papers at, uh, I think it's 15 years old, and um, I grew up in sort of a lower middle class family, so um, going to work was important um, to me. And uh, the first job I had, I, I, I worked in a gas station, uh, I worked in a petrol station. This is back when um, the, the Bowser was not mm-hmm. a DIY yeah. adventure. Um, I used to pump gas, and it was in, a, in the city of, of Bridgeport, Connecticut, in sort of a I think you would call it the dodgy end of town. Um, what did I learn there? Um, I learned a lot of things, uh, you know, showing up on time, being ready to do your task, and committing, and and all of those things. But I actually loved the job. I can still remember today. I, I worked with a friend of mine. There were two of us on the shift at night, um, and I absolutely loved it. And uh, I think I didn't think of it at the time, but as I look back in my life, bringing joy and enthusiasm to whatever you do. Makes it makes the time fly by and makes it enjoyable. I mean, I was in high school when I did this, so I did it a couple of nights a week. But I think the real thing simple answer if you do something with great joy and enthusiasm, I think you'll do it well, uh, no matter what it is. And that was my first interaction with getting a paycheck. And I also liked the economic power of having my own money. Um, As I said, we weren't really that well off, so you know, our philosophy was you eat what you kill. So now I had some economic power. And it allowed me to do things, you know, date girls and go to the movies and mm-hmm. all stuff that I otherwise would have not have been able to do.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Tom, where does uh, where does uh, the, uh, the, uh, the, the 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 interest in Australia come from? You know, did you grow up wanting to to to, 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 yeah. to, to be with us here in Australia, yeah. or did it happen by chance?
2: That is an incredibly good question because um, I grew up singing waltzing Matilda. Now this is an odd thing for an American to say, but my father was in the 1st Marine Division uh, in the United States Marine Corps, mm. and uh, he was playing football, American football, on Pearl Harbor Day, and within six months he enlisted in the U.S. Marine Corps, and before going off to fight in the Pacific, he was actually stationed in Ballarat. And um, and so Australia was always mentioned in my home, mm. and my father had this great love of Australians. He he saw them as fierce warriors, and he would talk about the advanced positions that Australians took during the Second World War. And my father was very much a Semper Fi U.S. Marine, he was deeply loyal. Um, so it started with that, and then my first job out of university, I worked with the Bank of Boston. And in the early 80s, the bank sent me here as a management development rotation. So I spent six or seven months, mostly in Melbourne, but also in Sydney and Perth, as part of learning how to be a commercial banker, which I was not very good at. Um, But it was the beginning of my own personal love affair, and then I joined Ford after that. Our Asia-Pacific headquarters used to be on St. Kilda Road in Melbourne. So I came over on a number of projects early in my career when we were working with Mazda on joint programs, and then ultimately the big prize for me in terms of my life was the honor of um, being the president of Ford Australia, which I came back down here in 2004. So it really goes well before I was born mm. but most of my adult life I have been in love with your country.
1: Yeah. And it has that um, it has that view been passed on to your children now? Do they still oh, have yeah. they so, have a similar yeah. view in the same way as you did from your father?
2: No, very much. I mean both of my sons uh, lived with my wife and I when I was when we lived in Melbourne and um, so they they both went to Melbourne grammar. Um, so they're part of the old boys network or whatever it's called. Um, and yeah, they, they feel very much like this is their second home. Um, both boys went to university in the United States. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it's been a while since they've been here, but uh, you know, there's an Aussie flag. I'll show you a picture when we're done. I I have a home in in the United States and like every good American, I have a flagpole and there there are two flags flying. There are two flags flying there today. Uh, I have to admit the U S flag is on the top, but the Aussie flag flies in my home and, uh, and we have myriad Australians that come to, to visit us. So, no, this is my second home, and I'm very proud of that.
1: Great. That's yeah.
0: great. Tom is a successful CEO of two international companies. What are the sort of two biggest learnings, perhaps, that you've uh, you've you, you sort of recognized and could pass on to our listeners, many of whom are emerging
2: leaders? Yeah. Um, it's interesting. You know, it almost goes back to your first question, I think, that if you're going to do well, you actually have to love what you do, and uh, I, I've been very, very fortunate in my life that the things that I've been allowed to do, I always really enjoy doing them. Um, I think I have an operating bent to me, so complex processes, Ford is a very complex company, um, and, uh, and Brambles is a complex logistics company, and I love the complexity of that business. I, I think that was the first thing. Um, the second thing I would say to, to younger listeners, people that are really sort of beginning their career, um, somebody told me this a long time ago, that the people around you that are gray-haired and a little bit older, they actually know a lot more than you do. Um, and, and a guy who was a mentor of mine told me that, you know, God gives you two, e- two ears and one mouth, and you should use them in that proportion. And I, I tried to take that to heart, and mostly through my career, I was the young guy having older professionals work and report to me. And I learned early on that if you shut up and allow them to teach you and educate you, it's the best thing that can happen. And I tried very hard to be humble early in my career and take on the teachings that, that people would were willing to share. And that became an immensely important to my success. I think the last thing I would do is just, I think younger people sometimes, and I have two sons that are both millennials, and. Um, I think a successful life is a life that's defined broadly. I don't just mean this in terms of a professional career, working career, but I've always thought that I should define myself broadly. So, you know, if somebody asked me to do something and it was slightly out of what I thought my job was, I always said yes um, because I felt it was part of my journey of learning the business in its entirety. And when I was at Ford, there were a lot of people who turned down, particularly international assignments because they felt they would lose their place in line and their career would be stuck. And for me, it was never about that. It was about the experience and building a certain skill set. And so I I think defining your job broadly and doing almost anything to learn about the company, the business, the industry, the market segment, if people do that, I think that they would benefit in the long run. Yeah.
0: Mm -hmm. it's a good point. There's a saying that cream always rises to the top. And,
2: uh, yeah, I mean, I think in general it does, but, you know, everybody rises at their own rate. Yes. I mean, uh, you know, to quote Neil Young, you know, he says, it's better to burn out than fade away. <laughs> I don't think that that's appropriate in a career perspective. I think that, you know, my career, I worked for 35 years and, you know, people don't become CEO overnight. I mean, you, you have to invest. And the investment comes from understanding the business, you know, from soup to nuts, understanding. You know, how companies make money, how they satisfy their customers, how they reward their employees and how they motivate the organization. Those things, you don't learn that overnight, you know, it takes some time and putting the time in and learning the business and falling in love with the business, I think is really what you're going to find, I think you're far better at this, but when you survey successful executives, my guess is most of them really love what they do. Um, and that doesn't happen overnight. You, you have to learn the business in its all of its intricacies, and I strongly believe that that's the cause of success
1: yeah. Yeah. well, let me build on that point then Tom, because it, you know it'd be interesting to get your reflections then on what may be some of the biggest challenges you faced and and what did, what did you learn about yourself maybe yeah. coming com, co, coming through from that
2: Well look, I, I think w- one of the biggest changes is really around technology yeah. uh, without a doubt, I mean, You know, the technological changes that I've seen in my lifetime, uh, you know, have have been nothing short of amazing and making sure that you have a skill set to keep up with those technological changes Mm -hmm. uh, is important, number one. And number two is making sure that when you you don't understand where the technology is going that you build a team with people that truly do. Mm -hmm. And this goes to the diversity of the team that you build. And I don't just mean gender diversity, but I really mean diversity of thought. And a lot of this comes in with having younger people that are willing to disrupt because they're closer to the technological changes. I think that's harder. that that was harder for me as I aged um, because of the things I mentioned earlier. I really thought I understood the business at great depth. In fact, one of the reasons I left Ford is I felt as if I was answering questions before they were asked. And I thought this is a terrible position to be in, that I'm no longer listening that I think I know more than you. Why are you asking me that? And I felt that that was a very dangerous place to be, that I had stopped learning in a way, and I'd stopped questioning the norms. And for me to leave that environment and go to a brand new place, which forced me to start learning again. Um, So being willing to learn from others, I think, given the pace of change, is critically important to to successful executives today.
1: That was a big risk, though, for you.
2: yeah, I mean, look. I, I or, guess or, no. or, or did you I mean,
1: not see it as a risk? You know, you're yeah. focused on your own self-learning, yeah. and that's always been a part of your, yeah. your 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 own personal values that that you didn't regard it as a risk.
2: No, look, I, I mean, I you know, I'll be blunt, I you know, I loved Ford Motor Company. I thought I was going to be a lifer. You know, I when I particularly when I uprooted, my wife was a partner in a law firm in the U.S. and she mm. gave all that up for me to come to Oz in '04, and. So I really thought, well, this is my lifelong commitment to the place, and, and I loved working in Fort Australia um, with all of the challenges that the market had and the economy had, all of the challenges. The job was fantastic, um, but I, I didn't see it as a risk. I, I think this is maybe another thing that goes to success. Um, you have to back yourself to a certain degree. Um, you don't need to be arrogant. You, know, you don't need to be a jerk about this, but you have to have some belief that you're capable and, and I, didn't, I don't lack self-confidence, so I felt that no matter what happened, I would be okay. Mm-hmm. And I am blessed by a very supportive family, so my wife was with me on this journey that said, you know, look, if this doesn't work out, I mean, I went from living in Melbourne to living in London for Brambles, and I always felt, look, if it didn't work out for me, I would go back to the US and find something. Yeah. You know, but uh, really blessed with a very, very supportive wife that said, I want you to be fulfilled. You know, and she knew that I had I had reached a point at Ford where that just wasn't happening yeah. anymore. So I didn't see it as a big risk at the time. Yeah.
0: yeah. What's the best piece of advice you've ever been given, Tom? Whether it's
2: a- <laughs> yeah, um, is there anything
0: you might feel comfortable to share?
2: Yeah. Look, I mean, I might have repeated this. Um, I might have mentioned it already, but I think this idea of defining yourself broadly. Yeah. Um, I think that uh, you know. I think that's so important to a life well-lived. Um, you know, the, the, life at the end, look, I'm, I'm more on the back nine than I am on the front nine here, but when you look back, you know, have you taken the opportunities that were presented to you? Have you allowed yourself to drift? You know, you, you want to be progressing in general, but life is not a straight line, you know, for for anybody. You know, there are ups and downs and twists and turns, and being willing to accept those twists and turns all you know to the objective of having an interesting life. Yeah. Um, I, again, I am very blessed with a great family and they were on that journey together. We have a mantra in my family. If you were to call my boys, they would tell you. We we used to say build memories, not houses. And the idea was largely to get them to relocate when we had to move again. But, but the idea was that life is meant to be a set of experiences, not just physical possessions. So the fact that we don't own a home well we we have a place to live and we're seeking adventure and we're seeking ways to grow and to learn to me that you know somebody told me this long earlier in my career i think that was very important to me um and often you know with like these interviews with ceos i'm sure they're quite easy because most ceos have lived interesting lives and they're quite successful yeah. and it's easy to look back and say you know yeah everything i did was correct i don't feel that everything i did was correct but i felt like everything i did was adding to my interesting story. Yeah. that was important. Yeah.
1: What, was what would yours be, Alan? Don't, um, don't worry about putting from the fringe or something like that. Is that one of your biggest learnings? Yeah. Yeah. It's not about me today, Alan. I don't the question that way. You know, I'll, I'll tell you, uh,
2: I'll tell you uh, two weeks ago, my best friend in the world, his father passed away. And so I went to the funeral, and this, this friend and I played American football all through high school. We're best friends. Yeah. I was his best man. He was mine, et cetera, et cetera. And our football coach showed up at the funeral for my friend's father. And I hadn't seen him in years. And I said, I wanted to thank you um, for what you did for me when I was a teenager. And I said, you you gave me this life lesson that I have repeated in many speeches. What he taught me was that hard work and enthusiasm can overcome a lack of talent. Mm. I was not a very good athlete. I mean, I thought I was at the time, but I was not. And we had a team of average players that delivered outstanding results. Because he got us to believe we were better than we were. And this idea of, and we worked very hard, and everybody knew their role. This idea of, of, you know, hard work and enthusiasm for the task, you can beat the kid who's more talented. And I would, again, I've repeated this several times, enthusiasm and love of what you do. That, that can really take you to great heights, I think. Okay. Okay.
0: Many
1: examples of that. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 in, in sport and in uh, music yeah uh, yeah in any, and, and, and any
1: adventure yeah. In life, yeah 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 mm. there is yeah there is yeah um so i've got to change shift Alan. on and kind of ask about um uh, uh, your step into a portfolio career yeah. uh, uh and the internationalization of your life at the moment yeah. and uh, I wondered whether you had any reflections for uh, some of our Australian listeners in, in terms of where you felt Australia was in its journey and on its position on the world stage at the moment. Yep.
2: Well, look, I you know I'm, I'm an unabashed supporter um, of of the nation of Australia, and um, and I, I think I understand some things from having lived lived here for a long time. But um, I would be hesitant to give advice to Australians on on how you know Australia should position itself, but. I think that I can give advice, some thoughts anyway, to Australian executives that, that are thinking about building a career. Um, Australia is a fantastic place, but it's not the only place. Um, and America is a fantastic place, and it's but it's not the only place. Um, you know, I went from working at the Rouge at the Rouge Complex in Dearborn, Michigan is a, is a very, very historically important manufacturing center in the United States of America. I went from being the financial director in a stamping plant to living around the corner from the Arc de Triomphe in the De Sétiem in Paris. And I learned more from fighting with the UAW every day and negotiating overtime hours to trying to explain to a French... Managing director, how to get along with the American that ran Europe. And I learned more living in France than I would have learned had I stayed in America. And when I came down here, I learned a lot about enthusiasm. I learned a lot about being geographically separated. I learned a lot about being, you know, running Ford when we were not the market leader in anything, as opposed to a truck leader in the United States. Those are very different skill sets. Um, when I went to London with Brambles and you know, and traveled throughout the Middle East and Africa. All of those experiences, to me, were, were part of my story. And you could stay in America and be very happy. There's 350 million of us, whatever, and it's a big place. But that's no different than just staying in Australia. Yeah. I think that if you want to have a truly global career, you have to force yourself to get up and move yeah. and see the other guy's point of view. And, and I've been blessed that people give me massive opportunities to do that. And I was, you know, lucky enough to be given the opportunity, and maybe smart enough to take the opportunities when they were presented.
0: Yeah. Mm. Tom, um, just changing tack a little bit, you've now moved into a, a non-executive yeah. career, amongst other things that you do. But the role of the the board, in your view, what's yeah. the biggest agenda issue for the boards of today and for the next little while?
2: Yeah. Uh, um, you well, know, I, I might be a slight outlier on this, so um, uh, that's okay. I, I think that that the board's really have two roles here, um, two big roles. The, the first one is to make sure that companies are focused on value creation. And I don't mean just shareholder value creation, but value creation in, in 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 as it relates to all of the constituents that a company interacts with. I think you can see that more and more companies are thinking about a topic that it's just not about shareholder value, right? We're stewards of assets, we participate in, in various economies, we want to be good citizens. Um, we obviously, most companies have some sort of environmental impact and how we manage that. But you have to be focused on value creation. And it's not just about you know, compliance and ticking the box and uh, fiduciary responsibility. I think that boards have to drive companies and the, and the operating executives to explain where we're building value. That's the first thing. And the second thing I think that's critically important is, because this is what boards do, is to oversee succession and make sure that the human capital and the talent in the the company is the best that that it can possibly be. So making sure that we're attracting, retaining, motivating, and developing people um, to the best of our ability. And it's difficult for boards because you often don't Mm -hmm. see more than CEO minus one down, right? You often don't see all of the operating executives. And when you do see, you know, more junior executives, it's a bit of a a beauty contest. You know, they come into the board, they present one thing, and they leave, and you judge them on their presentation skills. What's more important, and the boards that I'm on, I'm I'm lucky in this case, is that they really spend time in the markets. They spend time with the operating executives. You get to know people in different ways. And I think that's important for boards. You need to get out and get amongst the employees.
0: Mm. Do you see any difference in the cultures, amongst boards in the US versus Australia in any way? Um,
2: you know I think all boards from my experience they, they want to be collegial I mean a good board a good functioning board you can't have open warfare there um, I, I think the, the experience I have in Australia the boards are um, they, they are collegial um, people are allowed to debate issues um, look I'm blessed you know with um, with the Worley board John Grills in my view a great chairman because he allows everyone to participate. I've always felt that I've had an equal voice around the table, and John encourages that discussion. Um, debate is professional and, and courteous, but people still have different points of view, and a good chairman brings that out in an appropriate way. And you can push back on operating executives. I, I think that that's one of the roles that a non-executive director has. Yeah. But I also think that that NEDs need to understand that they're not running the company. In, in no case do I think I run the company yeah. There has to be a clear line between the operating executive and and the non-executive directors. Obviously, if companies aren't performing the way that they should, it's the responsibility of the board to make changes within the management team. Um, but short of that, you leave the running of the company to the, to the, mm-hmm. to the operating executives. And I think I understand that, so.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, Tom, you mentioned your family on a number of occasions yeah. in our conversations this morning. Um, I, I, I'm sure the listeners have have picked up how busy your executive life would have been as well, and I, I just wondered whether you had any advice to people out there about this thing called work life balance. Yeah. and you know, is there such a thing? And yeah. if so, you know, how did you manage it?
2: It's funny, you know, that, it was always a that, that's always a funny concept to me because it sort of implies that one thing is good and one thing is bad. That if you have to get the balance, because most of us, when we think about that balance, we think about good and bad. Mm -hmm. Don't overeat, don't overdrink, get some exercise. And when people started talking about this, you know, when I was a junior executive, it's like, well, work is bad and life is good, but my life is working. So what am I going to do to integrate my family into my life, my work life? And I have done that a lot. Um, So look, I was on the road a lot in the United States and... I was the general sales manager for Ford Division for two years and, you know, thirty eight hundred dealers in the United States on the road, you know, four nights a week. But I would take my children with me. You know, I would say, look guys, where would you like to go? I mean we we're pretty privileged and one son wanted to go to an opening day football game, American football, and I took him to Pittsburgh and I introduced him to the colleagues that I worked with. So he understood what I did my other boy wanted to do something else, I took him to meet my, my accounts in that city. Um, I have always had conference calls with my children listening. Now, maybe this was not appropriate, and maybe I shouldn't have said this, but they heard what I did and they got to see who I was. Um, and it's odd now that they're both, you know, in their early and mid 20s and they're in business. And my eldest son said to me a month or so ago, I wish I had paid attention more when you were working because he's now dealing with things. He's involved in supply chain projects, and I spend a lot of time talking to him about specific things that I did. Um, and look, my wife, I would be nothing without my wife. And and part of that is that she came on the journey with me. So And look, as CEO, I, mean, I would pay for her to travel, but she would come with me. So if I would go to India for a week, she would come. Um, she's a great representative of not just our family, but of Brambles and... You know, she would go do a ribbon cutting, we we donated an ambulance to a community, she went and did that while I had business reviews. And she saw what I was going through and the amount of, you know, the the energy that it takes to be a CEO. And I think there was an understanding of that. Um, So I think the best thing you can do is within limits, of course, is how do you integrate your family into what you do? People say don't bring work home, And, and I think they mean that in a negative way. Don't bring your problems home. But bring the excitement of what you do home, you know. Like after this happens, I'll call my wife and we'll talk about this interview. I guarantee you. Within a half an hour, mm-hmm. I'll be speaking to her today. And she'll say, you never should have said that. And, you know, and I mean, she would come Maybe to... Maybe we should interview her, uh, like, well, Yeah, you, you should, should. But, but well, like, you know, in Australia, she came to the AGM. You know, she'd yeah. sit in the back and make faces at me. Um, <laughs> she listened to the earnings calls, you know. And, and my kids, you know, I always gave them the links to the earnings calls and stuff. And... So, I think that uh, uh, if you hide from one, it, 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 it's like you're signaling to everyone that that's yeah. bad and I want to protect you from it. Yeah. I never thought work was bad, mm. and I still don't. I want, you to, I want to bring you yeah. into what I do. Not to dump on you with my problems, but to include you in the excitement that I mm. feel. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Anyway. Yeah. What do you do to unwind other than work stuff, like other hobbies and interests?
2: Um, look, I, I'll go back to my my earlier comment that I'm, I'm not a good sportsman, but I'm an enthusiastic sportsman. So, um, yeah, I, I do a lot of physical things, you know, I, I like to play golf, um, I ride my bike a lot, I, um, I'm quite privileged, I mean, I, I live on the ocean in the United States, so the summer months in Maine are fantastic, so I spend a lot of time in the water. Um, My children are very athletic, so, you know, I I did coach my kids when they were younger. Um, Both my sons were particularly very good ice hockey players and they still play. I played with my boys um, when they were young teenagers. So, I, I think because the work life of mine, I was a knowledge worker, you know, so the intellectual stimulation is what came from work. There wasn't a lot of physical stimulation. So I think when I wasn't in work, I tried to get more physical okay. activity. Yeah. And that still continues yeah. um, in, in terms of outdoor pursuits. And yes. I, I like the idea of being outdoors. Yes. You
1: know, so. yeah. 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 And very finally, yeah. if you could do one thing better in life, what would it be?
2: Um, better, I don't know. One thing I would have done more, I would have read more. Um, I. One of the beauties of now being retired is that I can read a lot more, um, and I read at depth as opposed to, you know, when you're an executive, you read looking for the data from which you will make a decision. So it's very specific ways that you attack things. Um, I think that I could have been broader still had I forced myself um, to read and connect in a different way, Um, and I just, in a way, I was worn out sometimes, I was just tired, and and this idea of being physically active was important to me. I, I read a lot more now um, and, and, I, and I'm better for it, to be honest, and I wish that I had done that. And the second thing is that this really happened more at Ford than, than Brambles, but in very complex businesses you tend not to pick up your head and you to have your head down and be very inwardly focused. You know, people say, you know, you're working in the business, not on the business. And that's a big challenge is to, you want to get the work done and complete the task. Um, And I think if, if I had it to do over again, I probably would have connected more outside of my business. I think I could have been more aware of what was going on around my business rather than just in my business. I think I got better at that as I became CEO, but in my early years at Ford, it was very much, you know, get the task done and do it well. Um, I would encourage people, those two things, read and stay connected more broadly uh, in the markets they're in.
0: Tom, thank you. It's been an absolute privilege having you in here today and listening to your insights. We really appreciate you doing it. And uh, very many thanks indeed.
2: My pleasure. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Thanks listeners.